Hey, welcome Valley family. This is uh, the big finale uh, of week number four in our January series that we're calling It's Time. And uh, really excited. I think we're going to finish uh, really, really strong. And uh, before we jump into the message though, uh, first of all, thank you everybody for tuning in last week. Uh, when we had our snow out. One of the great things because of our online campus uh, that we can actually do is uh, we can be real conservative with those Saturday night snows that we don't want to put anybody in danger, better safe than sorry. Uh, We ended up having 1,158 devices log in just for that message. So it's almost like it's just everybody's still there. It's just at home. And uh, think about that. We had 1,158 different locations this past week of Valley Christian Church coming to you wherever you are. So thank you for joining us. And uh, before we jump in the message today, man, I just want to take a moment and a big, big shout out here, actually. Happy fifth birthday to our Poughkeepsie campus. Five years old, thriving, doing a fantastic job there, and uh, a lot of credit goes to Pastor Stephen and Jasmine Francis. Uh, Jasmine's been there since day one. Uh, Pastor Stephen for uh, actually four and a half of those years, uh, most of which he served uh, as the campus pastor. Just done a fantastic job, and uh, I was actually doing some figuring, thinking about our Poughkeepsie campus uh, that is averaging over 200 people every single week. I think it was 207, 209, something like that uh, for this past year. Just think about this for just a minute, how wildly successful our Poughkeepsie campus has been. 80% of churches in the United States never break 200 in attendance. 80%. So just our Poughkeepsie campus alone is larger than 80% of the churches in our country. And I've been in this uh, community, you know, pastoring for almost 30 years now. I actually think just our Poughkeepsie campus alone is probably in the top five largest churches in our entire county. Just let that sink in for just a minute. So wildly, wildly successful, and uh, the best is yet to come as we're working on that Sheaf Road property uh, for our permanent campus. And I just want to thank all those been on the setup team in Poughkeepsie for some for all five of those years, uh, and also just serve in our dream teamers there in Poughkeepsie. We're one family, multiple locations. What an important, thriving location that you are uh, in in Poughkeepsie there. We love you guys, and we just can't thank you enough, and just so excited about all uh, that that God is doing. And I'm really not trying to suck up to Pastor Stephen. Don't get me wrong there. I told him, don't think I'm getting soft, anything like that. I'm just a crotchety old man, really, underneath it all. But props, great job, man, to you and Jasmine. Just keep it going. Couldn't be more proud of you guys uh, for sure. So week number four, here we are. It's time, our January series, and let's go back to the verse that's kind of framed it for us, uh, and that is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus' words here. We've kind of unpacked this uh, each week through the series. Again, our framework, kind of our key verse, uh, but Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that word repent is not necessarily, it, it's, it's not a negative word. Uh, it actually means to turn around, to change your mind, to get in line, align yourself with the way that God thinks, with, with God's values, and you'll actually live a better life. You'll live the life you were created to live, uh, that God created you to live. So Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that means what? 
I'm no good at being the king of my life, being on the throne of my life. I'll make a mess of things. I've, I've done that before. You probably have as well. We want Jesus to be the king. We, he wants to be on the throne of your heart and my heart. And, and so that's what it means. Turn around. Put him first. Put God at the center of everything uh, because God's kingdom is right here and right now. And uh, you normally hear this verse in uh, January, especially this time of the year. I don't know why that is, but I think it's really important. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13, and this is all in your Valley app. I hope you're following along. Uh, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. God has plans just for you, specific plan and purpose for your life, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And if we're going to step into all that God has for us this year, we need to follow God's plans. Not my plan for my life. That's settling for so much less than, than God's best. But really looking for God's plan and following his plan that gives us a hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So we're, this, this message series is all about us you know, together that we are wanting to accomplish fulfill every good plan that God has purposed for us in this new year and in this new decade. So one of the things I think that is really, really important that we would really be missing an opportunity if we didn't talk about this in this series, uh, and that is the idea of we have to do it together. We have to do it together. Let me put it this way. Christianity is a group project. Christianity is a group project. You, you can't live out the Christian life all on your own by yourself. It's, it's a team. And there's so many, just an example, uh, in, in the New Testament alone, uh, I, I believe there's like 22, 26 one another verses. In, in other words, if we're going to really follow God's direction from his playbook, the scripture, there's no way you can, you can obey those things. There's no way you can live those things out. I can't live those things out all by myself. It, Christianity is a group project. I don't know about you, but when, when I was in school, I remember loving when the teacher would give us an assignment and say, oh, by the way, this is a group project. Because I was like, yes, I'm going to get a good grade on this one. Because, of course, I always wanted to get in the group with the smart people. And those of you that are smart, you know, really uh, intellectuals and, and uh, academic, academias and all this, you're, you're probably saying, I hate group projects and because of people like me. Uh, that's why you hated group projects, because I got your grade and you did all the work. But anyway, that's a whole other story. That's, that's, that's a long time ago, uh, and all that is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go on. So anyway, we're talking about Christianity is a group project. And, and just look at this, for instance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It's all about groups. Uh, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God's prom He's made promises to you and me, and, and, and to us... That's the thing we need to realize, the plural, to us. And look at what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another. There's one of the verses right there. One another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting. There it is. Together. So, so even gathering together uh, in, in, on a Sunday morning, gathering together uh, with other Christians, it needs to be a priority in our lives. Because here's the thing. What's important to you, you'll make time for. 
what's important to you, you will actually make time for. And, and the Bible says here, some are in the habit of doing, they're giving up, they're, they're, they're making, getting together with other Christians in, in fellowship, you, you know, uh, relating to one another, sharing their life with one another, that everything else in the world piled up as priorities on top of that. And you know what? It's dangerous. It's really dangerous for your spiritual health. And so it says, don't give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. There's another one of those verses. Encourage one another. You can't do that on your own. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day? See, it's a capital D there. That the, the scripture's real clear. One day, Jesus is going to return just as, soon, just as surely as he came uh, 2,000 years ago. He's going to come again, and, and he's going to make everything right. And, and he's going to bring this world back to the order that it was created to be in. And, and those that have placed their faith in him are going to live with him, not in heaven for eternity, but back on the new, in the new heaven and new earth for all time and all eternity. The, the New Testament teaches that really, really clearly. And, and so we don't know how much time that is. That's why the scripture tells us prioritize getting together with those in your faith, like faith, growing together, encouraging one another, because you know what, that day's coming. People say all the time, Greg, you know, they ask me, Greg, you know, what do, what do you think? Do you think Jesus coming back soon? And, and my answer is always, well, sooner than it was yesterday. We're, we're closer than it was yesterday. We're closer than any generation has ever been to the return of Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand Christianity is a group project. It's not never meant to be lived out on your own in isolation, but together, together. And so there's three things I think about together that we need to understand. And the first one is this, together is God's plan. Together is God, this is God's idea. God is relational. Think about it, even before all, any creation coexisted Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Trinity before anything that was ever created. Coexistent, co-eternal. God's a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created you and I to be relational beings as well. Together is God's plan. And the second thing is this, together isn't always easy. Together isn't always easy. You know, uh, that, that's something I, I, I loved about sports, team sports, and uh, especially football. You know, baseball is a team sport, but there's a lot of isolation in baseball. You know, the, you're up at, the, up at bat, and the pitcher's throwing, and it's kind of like it's just you, you know. But football, the thing I love about football is it's a unit. You're an offensive unit or a defensive unit or a special teams unit. And in order to be effective, you have to learn how to play with each other, alongside each other, depending on other people to do their job. Just recently, I was uh, talking with one of my former players uh, that I coached, oh, 10 years ago uh, at John Jay. And, uh, you know, he's bringing up some names of some of the guys. I was a defensive back coach and outside linebackers on, on defense and special teams coach. Uh, and then also the quarterback coach, and uh, he was one of my defensive backs, and he's talking about some of the other players and that, that played in the defensive backfield and linebackers and stuff like that, and they're still in touch 10 years later. Why? Because they went through some stuff together. It wasn't easy, but because they went through some stuff, 
they're, they're still 10 years out of high school, still really, really tight, really, really close. Because of what they went through together. They really became a unit that transcended not only playing football at John Jay and going to John Jay, but has transcended 10 years, a decade later. They became a unit. Together takes a lot of work. Together can often be inconvenient. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't give up as some, is, some have given up because it's not really easy. For most of us, when we really talk about being together, uh, getting together on a regular basis with other Christians, it kind of makes us a little bit nervous because the reality is some of the biggest hurts of our life have come from someone else. So, someone else maybe that we were close to. Someone else that we trusted. And, uh, and that's caused us great pain. And so as a result, we've kind of made up our mind, made a declaration in our head. Maybe we never said it out loud, like, I'm never going to let anyone close to me again. Let me just ask you a question. How's that working out for you? I bet it's not working out very well, is it? Because together isn't always easy, but together is incredibly important. God made you and me for together. Because, you know, the, the enemy has a plan for your life. Not only does God have a plan for your life, the enemy has a plan too. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Notice it doesn't say looking for a group to devour. Uh-uh. It says looking for someone, looking for an individual to devour. Look, looking for someone on the fringe to pick off. You ever watch like these uh, National Geographic, uh, you know, uh, documentaries about like in Africa, the desert, and you know, all this? I saw one one time, I'll never forget this, about zebras. Uh, you, you know what zebras have, the camouflage, the striped? One of the th reasons uh, I think God created them that way is pretty cool. When they're just a few of them are together, more than one zebra, like three together, four together, because of their camouflage, a lion can't even make out how many are in the group because of the way that their stripes are. It actually, it, it looks like there may be actually more than are actually there. Because the scripture says, your enemy is roaring around, roaming around like a roaring lion. He, he's prowling around, roaring like a lion, looking for someone who's not together with anyone else that's going solo on their own trying to live a Christian life without regularly connecting and prioritizing with other Christians together. And he's going to pick them off. He's going to pick them off. So, uh, you know, uh, I've heard it put this way before. Our world today is more connected than ever before because of technology, but also more isolated than ever before. Because, you know, we, we may have you know, 300 friends on Instagram, but, but most teenagers, you ask them, uh, how many close friends do you actually have? And they'd be like, two, maybe one, maybe none. Uber connected, but not really together relationally. I heard this statistic. This is pretty wild. Do you know right now in the, in the world there are more cell phones than toilets? Hey, just think about that for a minute. More cell phones than toilets on the planet today. We're connected by technology, but we're not really together. 
And so that's the third thing about together. Together takes a choice. Together is a choice. You have to make that decision. And, uh, you know, right now we're, we're uh, coming to the end, actually, in this next week or so, uh, of our sign-up for our valley groups. That's why we put so much time and energy and effort into our groups, uh, because we want to give you a place to choose. And we have, I think it's like 45 groups that are launching in February, and uh, over 300 people have already registered, signed up. Uh, and I encourage you, if you haven't yet, go through that list, take some time, read the descriptions, the time and the place that they're located and all, and, and sign up today. You'll be better for it. As I've often said, I'll just say it again, I've always been a part of a small group, even before I was pastor. Uh, when I was just a, a, a teenager, I was part of a small group in church, through college, small group, 30 years of ministry, small group. The first thing Jesus did when he started his earthly ministry was he started a small group. It's called the disciples. Jesus had a small group, and I just think if the Son of God felt like he needed to have a small group, maybe you and I need to be a part of a small group as well. And we've been working so much behind the scenes with, with our new approach. It's not just uh, study groups or Bible study groups, just even hobby groups, groups for men, groups for women, groups for married couples, uh, groups for special hobbies and interests and activities, all the place that you can connect on a regular basis with other Christians and share life together, together. So very important. So uh, as your pastor, just like last, the first week in this series, when, when, we're talking about, uh, when we're talking about the light is green, you know, I just want to say, beep, beep, once again, the light is green. We need to do it together. So when we're talking about together, what can we expect uh, when we get together? You know, sometimes, like I said, it's nerve-wracking. Like, you know, I've been hurt in relationships and betrayed, things like that. But well, what can we expect when we get together? Because as many times as you hear about something negative happen, I'll just tell you this. The good far outweighs the bad. Far outweighs the bad together. And so I want to use an example. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, King David, uh, just an amazing man, not perfect by any stretch, had all kinds of... Uh, you know, uh, faults and, and, and messed up things and messed up his life and, you know, really went through some tough things as well. But one thing about David is this. David was incredibly relational. He was incredibly relational. Uh, think about it. He was born into a family, uh, you know, Bible says eight kids in the family. He was the eighth out of eight. Uh, some scholars believe that he may have actually been illegitimate, child of, of Jesse from, from uh, a woman on the side. Uh, much of the reason for that is some of the things that he wrote in the Psalms, he says that he was even conceived in sin. Uh, also pretty interesting that uh, he became the king, the first king. You're starting a monarch, a monarchy of a nation, Israel. There's no mention anywhere in the Bible of the mother's name. His mom's name is not mentioned. You would think if you're starting a monarchy, you know, it'd be like Jesse's the father and the mother would been, there's no mention of his mom anywhere. So much so that uh, when, when a prophet comes, God sends a prophet to Jesse's house to, uh, to really uh, anoint the, the, the next king. King Saul was the first one to, next, to anoint David as the next king. Jesse doesn't even call him in from the field. 
all the other boys are there, but not David. So, so it, it certainly seems like he didn't grow up in this loving, nurturing family at all. Not at all. But uh, King David shows us a lot of the power of togetherness, and that's what really you can see in his life, those relationships that help him to get where it was that God wanted him to be. Uh, in fact, this is pretty cool, this statement about David. We find it in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It says, after removing Saul, Saul was actually the first king that started the monarchy, but David wasn't related to him at all. Then it came through David. And Saul had sinned. And so God changed plans and started with an all fresh new person, new family. After removing Saul, he made this talking about God, he made David their, their king, and God testified concerning him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, no mention of his mom, a, a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. So think about this, a man after my own heart, God doesn't make that statement about Moses, he doesn't make that statement about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, no one else in the Old Testament, he makes it about David. Flawed, all kinds of issues, all kinds of insecurities and things like that. But what David was really, really strong at was relationships. And I just want to draw out a couple things about that because David was an incredible leader and he was an incredible relational leader. And we can get some keys to really help us to see and know what to expect when we come together in like a valley group, like I really encourage you uh, to get involved with if you haven't. You can, you can be in multiple groups at the same time, depending on your schedule. And this is not just for people in our church. This is for those that, that have never darkened the door of our church can also be a part of a valley group, whole new approach that we have in 2020 to our groups. The first thing we need to understand uh, that, that we can expect out of our groups is this, we call out the best in each other in our groups. We, we call out the best in each other in our groups when we get together. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, this is when David was anointed as king, when, when Saul messed up and God said, nope, I'm choosing somebody else. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, speaking to uh, Samuel. This is the one. So Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, look at this, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now just think about this for just a minute. David is out in the shepherd's fields, which also lend, uh, leads scholars to believe there was something, maybe he was a child of a mistress of Jesse's, uh, because as someone who owned sh sheep, uh, in, in those days, like Jesse, uh, you would never have one of your children tending the sheep. To, to have that many sheep, shepherds generally were hired hands, not family members. But for some reason, Jesse sends David out to the shepherd's field. And David's out there for a long time, doesn't even call, Jesse doesn't call him back in when the prophet comes to anoint the next king. And think about it, David's just out there, he's minding his own business, and had no idea what his destiny was, what God's purpose and plan was for his life, watch this now, until he got together with Samuel. If David stayed out in the shepherd's fields all by himself, flying solo, he never would have become the king of Israel. He had to come back and together, someone else pointed out, this is God's plan for your life. 
stay out in the fields, you'll miss it. Fly solo, be by yourself on the fringe, you'll miss it. Together. Together we call out the best in each other. That's just mind-blowing to me that God uses someone else to identify and call out the purpose that God created David for. You know, and, and when we talk about together, if we're going to fulfill everything that God's plan and purpose for our lives uh, collectively as a Valley family and also individually and the families in the Valley family, uh, there, there's, there's some priorities. We have to make some choices about being together and prioritizing our lives to be together with other believers, even on Sunday and, and, and in our small groups. But we also, you know what, we also have to prioritize like, letting go of some bad relationships. In fact, next week, we're kicking off a brand new series called Boundaries. And and the whole idea behind the series is how to deal with difficult people. Do you know Jesus had boundaries? Jesus had boundaries. Jesus didn't let everybody get real, real close to him. He he trusted himself to some, but some, the Bible makes it real clear, he did not trust because he knew it was in their heart. And I think many times as Christians, uh, you know, we think we just got to blindly trust people and we don't have any boundaries in our life, but we're going to look again at how to deal with some difficult people. Boundaries are incredibly healthy if you're going to pursue with passion the purpose that God created you for. If I'm going to pursue with, with passion the purpose that God created me for, we've got to do it together and we've got to do it together with the right people. We call out the best in each other together. I, I love this also, Proverbs 27, 17, you may have heard of this before. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another friend. So a friend sharpens another friend. I've, I've heard it put this way before. Show me the books you read and the friends you have, and I'll show you your future. Show me the books that you're reading and, and the friends that you have, and I'll show you your future. There's a power for good or for really, really bad, depending on who we associate with and spend time with. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Friends make us better. Relationships make us better. You know, and even coming up this Friday night, uh, men, just want to talk to you for a minute. Uh, we have our, our man night coming up. And man, I, not to be redundant, man, I just invite you, man, <laughs> uh, to come out to our man night. Uh, we're going to have some incredible food. It starts at 6.30, uh, burgers and all kinds of uh, great stuff. I heard actually short rib sandwiches that our resident chef, Austin Flores, was thinking about my short rib sandwiches. That's worth it right there, guys. Uh, and, and it's going to be a powerful time of teaching. And, and the reason we're doing this is because it's just good sometimes to just get together with the guys guys. We do this every Super Bowl weekend, either with a breakfast or we're doing man night on Friday night. Uh, you want to register in advance because it's $5 less. If you do it ahead at the door, it jacks up because we want to plan for you. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to uh, you're going to meet some men that maybe you haven't met before because we're big, big church, multiple locations, all that. And, and, and our hope is that connecting some relationally, it's going to be a lot of guys, obviously, but then from there, we're going to actually have opportunity for you to meet some of the group leaders that are men uh, in our groups. So if you haven't yet, it'll just help you to take that step to get involved with the groups that we have going on, men. And it's going to be a great time. And, uh, you know, we can practice the bro hug. You know what that is, the bro hug, where I shake, slide, pat, pat on the back. Like, women have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But the bro hug, shake, slide, pat, pat on the back. It's going to be a lot of shake, slide, 
pat, pat on the back going on. Man night, you don't want to miss it. That's for guys that are actually, uh, you know, all the way sixth grade and up are, are welcome to join us for man night uh, coming up on January the 31st. Because one friend sharpens another. I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't have the friends that I have. I'll just put it that way. I would not be the man that I am today if I did not have the friends that I have today. And so the second thing is this. Uh, what can we expect when we get together? We call out to God for each other. We call out to God for each other. You know, this is uh, pretty interesting how God brings people into David's life and he recognizes that, that in, in a true sense their friendship, relationship, is a gift from God. Look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse uh, uh, 15 and 16. This is when David actually is kind of like running for his life from Saul and all that. And look at this. It says, while David was at Horish in the desert of Zip, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. King Saul, the current Saul at the time, the current king at the time, is trying to kill Saul. He's hunting him down. And Saul's son, this is the guy, Jonathan, who's the heir, the rightful heir at the time of the throne, went to David to Horish and helped him find strength in God. Now, this is so important. Let me ask you a question. Are your friends helping you find strength in God or in someone else or something else? It's so important that we surround ourselves with the right people that will point us to God. Jonathan helped David find strength in God. We call out to God for each other. I love Proverbs chapter 27, verse 10. It says, don't desert an old friend of your family or visit your relatives when you're in trouble. A friend nearby is better than a relative far away. A friend nearby, could have put it this way, is better than a brother far away. I remember this verse just coming so real to me uh, when I was 29 years old and uh, went through the just heartbreaking experience of, of my, my mother uh, losing her battle with cancer. I was pastoring the church at the time, and, uh, you know, it was really, really difficult just doing that. Uh, we were thankful the church allowed uh, Susie and I to be down in North Carolina, where my parents were at the time, uh, for three of the last four weeks that mom was alive. And uh, then we had to come back, and, and it was just a couple days after that that she actually passed away. But uh, all my friends, all my family, rather, had, had moved south at that time. We were only Williamson's that were up here. And, uh, and it was during that time... That, that friends that I had in this church really pointed me towards God and helped me to find strength. And I remember this verse becoming so real to me. Better a friend nearby than a brother far away. Because you know what? E even though there's technology and you can FaceTime, it, it's just something different than, than just going out and getting a cup of coffee and, and looking somebody in the eyes and, and being able to share with them what's going on inside. Not even looking for answers, just, just friendship. I, I ran into a, a friend of mine the other day I hadn't seen in a while. Pretty good friend. And he was just, we were talking about old times and reminiscing, and, and, and he was sharing about a time when uh, something really rough, he was going through a rough patch, and, and, uh, and he called me, and uh, I said, sure, let's get together. And, and he was like, yeah, I remember we right there on Route 9, you and I sitting on that bench, 
and, and us just having heart-to-heart talk, and it, it just made a huge, huge difference. Better a friend nearby than a brother, than relatives far away. Invest in relationships that are here, close, that can really help you when you get jammed up. There have been times, you know, every pastor wrestles with discouragement. I don't know any pastor, uh, if he's being honest, that would say, you know, I never get discouraged. I get discouraged. And, and, and one of the main reasons why I'm still pastoring today and pastoring here is because I've had friends, when I wanted to throw in a towel and quit, said, we're not going to let you do that. We're, we're going to pray for you. We're going to lift you up. We're going to encourage you. I'm talking about friends like, like Jamie Farragel. I'm talking about friends like Pat Fardy. I'm talking about friends like Aaron Johnson. I'm talking about friends like Chris Kelly. We're not going to let you do that. And so friends, they call out to God for each other. And then the third thing is this. What can we expect? We can, we can call out the truth to each other. We can call out the truth to each other. Now, now uh, where I want to look right now, David's king, and David still had important relationships around him. Samuel, who was the prophet that or, uh, anointed him, uh, he, he's already gone. There's a new prophet named Nathan, and David messed up big time. And with such a blind spot, he, he not only had an affair with a married woman, but then he had her husband killed in battle, Uriah, and talking about his relationship with Bathsheba, and, and had such a blind spot about this, I guess thinking that, uh, you know, I'm the king, I can do whatever I want. And uh, a, a new friend came to talk to David. His name was Nathan the prophet. And, and he tells him this uh, kind of uh, analogy, a story uh, about a, a man who, who took possession, a sheep that wasn't his, uh, from a man that that's all he had was one. And, and David says, you know, basically like, what a scoundrel, this guy should be killed, this guy's awful, this is horrible, and gets really, really uptight. And, and then Nathan says this to him, Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you're the man. You know, sometimes we say that to, to some, some guy who's doing a great, great job. Hey, you the man, you the man. Sometimes we need brothers around us who can say, uh, you're the man. And that's speaking truth to us. When, when we're messing up and we've got a big, huge blind spot we don't even see in our life. And say, listen, you're the man. You got to change. That's wrong. That's wrong what you did. That's wrong what you said. That's wrong the way that you acted. That attitude's wrong. You're the man. We can call out truth to each other. See, this gives me really, really a big, huge amount of hope in my life. Because if, if a man after God's own heart can make the mistakes that David made, can, can blow it the way that uh, David blew it and God still used him, you know, there's hope for me, there's hope for you. Uh, let me put it this way. See, God's not looking for perfection. God's looking for progress. God's not looking for perfection. God's looking for progress. And, and, and that's the thing about David. When, when Nathan pointed out, you're the man. You're, you're the one who's wrong. You're the man in the story. Because Nathan confronted David today, 
uh, we have Psalm 51, which is one of the most beautiful psalms that's ever been written. David wrote in response to Nathan pointing out his sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your holy presence from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 51, beautiful psalm of repentance. When David's heart broke, not because he was just on his own, flying solo, but he allowed someone close to him to say, you're the man, you're, 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 you're wrong here, David. We can call out truth to each other. I, I love this, Proverbs chapter 27, verse five and six says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. It's better together. Sometimes it may be hard. Sometimes it may hurt. It's not easy. It's better together. We're better. You're always going to be better together. I'm always going to be better together with other Christians. Always. And so what I would say as we wind up this message series, calling It's Time... It's go time. Like we talked about in the first week, the light's green. So if you haven't heard it yet, if you haven't gotten this yet, okay, beep, 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 it's time. It's time to take a step of faith and to trust that God's way is the best way and to be committed together with other Christians in, in a group, in a small group, on Sunday, together. You're better together with other Christians. I want to end with this, this, this quote by, uh, that I found by uh, Corey Tim Boom. It was in a concentration camp, World War II, uh, Nazi concentration camp, just, just really, you know, family members didn't survive. Just, just really, if, you, if you've never seen the movie The Hiding Place, uh, just incredible uh, story of, of what God does in the heart of this woman uh, through all that pain and suffering that's just unimaginable. Uh, she, she put it this way, Corey Tim Boom, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Listen, the future's always unknown. That's why we need to put God at the center of our life. We, we need to prioritize getting together with other believers, sharing our life with other Christians on a regular basis, prioritizing it. Because we can trust God. Because the future's always unknown. Beep, beep, beep. I'm going to ask, would you go ahead and bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you created us for relationship. Just as you have relationship in the Trinity, co-eternal, co-equal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help us to have courage to take a step of faith today. It's go time. The light's green. And you're gently, tenderly by your Holy Spirit just beeping the horn. It's time to go. And that, Lord, for so many of us that are even nervous about the thought of getting together with a, with a handful of other Christians on a regular basis, even if it's for just an activity or a hobby, 
Lord, I pray that we would just have the courage to connect together, to prioritize relationships with other Christians together. And Lord, we know we're going to be better for it. Father, we thank you that with you following the guidance of your Holy Spirit and, and putting Jesus Christ on the throne of our hearts, truly, the best is always yet to come together. In Jesus' name, amen.